Here we go. It's just past 7 o'clock. We're both in studio this week for the first time in about a month, Ira. We've been there. You were away. I was away. Good to be back together doing the show live, too, because we had to do a couple of pre-tapes as you were uh, spending a lot of time at Monday Night Football. But here we are. It's Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. And Ira, your TV must have been happy to see you this weekend because you haven't spent many weekends at home lately. No, but it was just hard to figure out where I was going to go this week for a game. I, I just stayed and watched all four of them. I figured I went to Saturday-Jacksonville, Monday, da the Dallas-Tampa Bay game. But uh, no, it was it's different you know, when you see all the games. One of the problems is when you go into these events, when you go to the games... I was going to miss a couple games by flying and travel with yeah. everything that I didn't want to miss the other game. So it's like if you're at a game, you don't see the game before. That's why it's so good to go. Like, you want know, to the Fiesta Bowl, the National Championship game. It's the only game in town, so you get the early, whatever. These games are so big, everyone counted. I didn't want to be, like, fighting, to, like, oh, I didn't have to hear or see what happened. I want to watch it live. So next week, though, I'll be in Philadelphia. <laughs> I had a choice. I had plane tickets to Philly, Atlanta, and Kansas City. You booked it all in advance. I had it all taken care of. And I look at temperature in Kansas City, and it's going to be – this is one thing – don't report on like I always look a week ahead where the temperature Philly is going to be like 55 degrees in Philly Kansas City is going to be at night remember that's the second game it could be like 10 12 degrees no thank you no I mean it's <laughs> I've been in the game I was there last year and it was like 25 and I was freezing for 10 to 12 it's gonna be too cold so choosing to go to Philly for that game so obviously Philly San Francisco next week and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on of course you can follow Ira anywhere on social media at Ira on sports Ira, we probably have my favorite guest coming on here at about 7.30. Uh, I think it's his fifth time on the show. I checked the records. It's Andrew Catalan. Tell us about Andrew. He's Andrew, fantastic. He's our favorite CBS sports announcer. I mean, he broadcasts. He's got a lot of – last year he did like four Dolphin games. Yeah. So he's done some Jets games last year. This year he does a lot of Jacksonville games. And I think he's phenomenal. He works with James Lofton on CBS. He does – so for 18 weeks he's broadcasting games. And now you're going to see him. He does like about 10 college basketball games it seems like every week. And he does the Masters also. We didn't talk college basketball. We didn't talk – the Masters, but we talked the NFL football because the one thing is that he has insight that nobody else has because he gets to go in there the day before, meet with the coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback. So he has insight about what's going on with yeah, these Yeah, and teams. He's, he's told us before that that's what he does. He gets there early and he wants to talk to everyone in the facility and get information. He's just, just memorizing guys' names and numbers. He's, right. He goes in depth. We'll talk to Andrew Catalan about 7.30. We mentioned, Ira, let's go back to Monday night. Um, could maybe be Tom Brady's last game in the NFL. It could be his last game in Tampa Bay. Probably is. You were there. You always find a way to get to these games. Well, I, I drove. I, when I drive here, I listen to his show on at six o'clock. So I'm listening to and, and they and Jim Gray ask him the question like, "What? What are you going to do?" And he goes, and he, he used expletives saying, "I don't know. If I knew, <laughs> I would tell you, but I don't." You know, and he I said a bad word. Clearly, he doesn't know. And I still think Tampa. There, I, Tampa could still be an option. I'm not going to say Tampa isn't isn't an option at all with that. Um, it was just a sad way to go out the 31-14 win, and, and you know, again. And it's so weird if you're Cowboy fans, like the elation that they had at that game and the total domination on off the offensive and defensive side. You know, Dallas is up 24 nothing down to three. I mean, it was just an unbelievable. And there was no you've seen Tampa come back again and again. They just couldn't come back in this game. They couldn't get the running game. I, I love how people say, oh, Brady should retire. He doesn't want to get hit. He threw the ball 66 times. That's an NFL <laughs> record. For someone who doesn't want to get hit, you don't stand back there 66 times and throw the ball. And he was fighting to the end. Um, but all the problems that Tampa had, 
had sort of with their injuries and everything came together in this game. It was a, a terrible performance on their part and their inability to run the ball. Dallas had 128 uh, rushing yards. Tampa only had 52. And that was, you know, and Dak Prescott, I mean, again, he was 305 yards, four touchdowns, and about six days ago, he looked like on top of the world and just shows how the NFL does because now we're not going to, we're not going to be talking about that Tampa game. No. We're going to be talking about the game yesterday. And, and- I think both of those teams, Ira, both Tampa Bay and Dallas, they're very uh, Jekyll and Hyde teams. We've seen them go out and look fantastic, and we've seen them look terrible. And it's just which team's going to show up that week. And we saw the very good Dallas Cowboys, and then this past week, we did not. But we'll the talk one thing more about, about that about the, about the, uh, Someone asked me questions about the mixed extra points, the fact that Maurer missed four extra points. Uh, the weather was perfect. It was actually, it was, I was just at Tampa two days before. I'm freezing cold, and I'm sitting there with just like a long sleeve shirt, really, at the game. It was very, it was, it was, the weather was super nice. I didn't notice any wind whatsoever. I've been to Tampa, that was my seventh time this year or seventh Tampa game I think the fifth time at the stadium and it was probably the most perfect weather w- that you possibly could have I couldn't believe you missed missing these these extra points and you're sitting there watching it but you know it's so funny when you're sitting on the side where I'm saying like on the 50 watching it I am so bad. I can't tell if it's good or not. Like, you can miss by <laughs> 20 feet, and I won't know. But you can just hear the – and it was – so there were so many Cowboy fans. The weird thing about the game is there were so many Cowboy fans is that when they made a great play, you didn't know if it was the Tampa making the play or the Cowboy fans mm-hmm. because they were loud in that game. So it was hard when he missed the field goal. People – I didn't know if, like, did he make it? Were people cheering that he – it was hard to tell until you saw it. When you saw them kicking it, you know, from right behind him, they were horrible. I'm sure you've seen the replays <laughs> now. It's not like, you know, some of them weren't even close. That was the worst case of the yips, I guess you would call it, like a golfer gets. That's what he added. There's zero confidence in him. Dax on the sideline yelling, go for two. <laughs> Just a mess. Um, anything else you want to talk about with this game? What was the Tampa fans like leaving there? I mean, I'm, I'm sure they were a little broken and kind of like, well, this might be the last of our, our Tom Brady I felt they, were, they felt it was like the last against last year, too, when they lost to the Rams. I felt like, again, but I think in this time it just seems so, the finality is there. It just It's just that feeling that it's over. But, you know, everybody is like, now what? Blaine Gabbert's going to be a quarterback? What? So Kyle Trask, I mean, the Trask, quarterback. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is it, it is. It's been great to have Tom Brady so close that I can go. I love the stadium. I like that it's small. I love work to park next to the stadium. There's so many fun things. I'll still go to Tampa Bay games. I hope they're good. It'd be great if, if Brady's back there. It'd be a lot easier to go see him play there if he goes to the Raiders. But I, I just don't know. But I would not. I am not ruling out him. Now Tampa's fired their entire assistant coaches, everything like that, uh, with Brian Leftwich. And but um, I'm not saying he won't go back to Tampa. I, I think there's. I'm. I don't think it's zero. It's probably like 25. percent I. I agree with you. And, and the other landing places aren't that desirable either. People are making it out like, we'll just go to, you know, whoever. Uh, like San Francisco doesn't want him, but teams like, oh, go to the Jets or something like that. Is the Jets really better? It, a lot of it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. Um, let's talk about the first game, Jacksonville and Kansas City. And you're going into this one, and I, I don't think a lot of people gave Jacksonville really any chance in this game. I thought it was going to be kind of close, and we saw what maybe Jacksonville's not there yet, but they're building. Well, I like from the Jacksonville perspective, I like the fight they had in this game. Now you're saying, well, Mahomes is injured. He got hurt, couldn't play well, did had but whatever. But the fact is Boy, that drive they had in the fourth quarter was great. I think they kept the game close. I like the Giants that sort of just said, okay, we're here, goodbye. I I did like the fact that Jacksonville, after that big win, and and I do like it was a story in the paper that after they beat, um, after they won the the previous weekend, the Chargers, Chargers, uh, Trevor Lawrence says, let's go to Waffle House and took 20 of his players out to Waffle House and they reserved this table for them at Waffle House. (laughs) You don't reserve tables. But it just shows you how, you know, he's just such a a leader in this team and Peterson is a coach. It's a mesh of everything 
everything, and they're all coming together. And I, I was, I'm very impressed with this how they well they they played in this game. It's kind of like we talked about the Jets, where the Jets were just awful for three years. They had a great draft this past year, and now you're looking at the Jets like, wow, if they had a quarterback, this team could be a, a serious playoff team. Jacksonville has the quarterback, and we were talking off air. One good draft for this team. We might be putting them up there with the Cincinnati's, the Casey's, and the Buffaloes of the. It AFC. seems like the rest of the league, and I've sort of changed my mind. I think even from a Steeler perspective, it's like, look, you're not going to get the super duper duper star quarterback. Like they're all mostly average. They really are. But you have Mahomes, you have Burrow, and you have Allen, you have Justin Herbert, and now you might have Trevor Lawrence. And you know what? They have it. So when you have one of those, and that, and that's where I think Lawrence is. If he's at that level and he's that elite one, that's. 15 years of having this great quarterback and then you can figure out the other parts. You can figure out bringing it's a lot easier to get that part right because there's so few out and we, I think we think tend to think in the NFL that there's 622 great quarterbacks when there's really like four or five. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, CBS play-by-play analyst Andrew Catalan jan- joins us at 7.30. Follow Ira on social media at Ira on Sports. You want to talk about this game because like, like I said, I mean, I never really thought that Jacksonville was in a position to win, but they kept themselves close enough. Well, I think uh, uh, Travis Kelsey has to get a ton of credit. 14 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. And Kinsey opens up with four straight passes to him. And, you know, Evan Ingram for Jacksonville. This is what, if you watch these playoffs, uh, Hayden Hurst for Cincinnati, uh, Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys, Kelsey, George Kittle, Tight ends are crucial. And when you think about the Dolphins' perspective, Mike Kosicki, how they didn't really utilize him right, it's criticism, I think, for the Because I think for this today's NFL, you need that tight end on third down. You can't depend on throwing the 30-yard passes. And that's what these quarterbacks, and especially when the weather's bad, it's hard to catch the ball, but the ability to block come off. The, Kelsey, 14 catches. just It's just amazing. But that, that first drive was them. But then, you know what, Jacksonville, that Jamal Agnew, why is he one of the best kickoff returners in the game? Runs the ball back 60 yards, uh, and they were gave a score, you know, made it 7-7. Mahone's injured his ankle then on the next possession. You know, people think he injured it later. He injured it early in the mm-hmm. middle of that first quarter. Field, they kicked the field goal and make it 10-7. He comes out of the game. Now, it was weird. So he's out of the game. Then they start to have that long drive. Chad Henney, just tremendous. You know, he's 38 years old. Michigan quarterback, you know, before, yeah. after Tom he's Brady. After Tom Dolphin, after Tom Brady. But, and, you know, he had a third on three to Tony, a third on three to Kelsey. There's a roughing the passer penalty. Pacheco had a good uh, good run there. But, uh, you know, I think the fact that they were able to score and make it 17-7. But when you saw Mahomes come out and on the sideline, not going into the game, at that point, I'm saying he's not coming back. Because if he was really hurt, like, why is he not inside the locker room getting it helped and getting treated? I thought he was done for the game. They said question will return. But, um, and then Jacksonville came and they kicked a field goal and made it 17-10 at halftime. But if you're Jacksonville, you're like, okay, 17-10. We're happy with this. Of course. But then was I shocked in the second half when Mahomes comes out? And then he's limping around. And then Andy Reid made a comment. He goes, if I was, uh, you know, he had a short leash to come in and go out. He wanted to see that. First of all, he had x-rays because he said just a sprained ankle. But he was limping. He was like one foot. But that just shows you Patrick Mahomes with one foot. It's better than <laughs> 26 other quarterbacks. I mean, he couldn't even hand the ball off. It was so, and and that's where they were punted. Like to each team had two punts, but then Mahone started to know a Gray for 30 yards, and and uh, then a, to Kelsey for 10. Got that 50-yard field goal to make it 20 to 10. But I'll tell you what, the start of the fourth quarter. This to me is what Jacksonville is all about. Lawrence had that key scramble, this long pass. He then threw a 37-yard pass to Zay Jones, and, and then uh, Christian Kirk made a good pass. But that one scramble that he ran to get that first down, where he just went and just drove right through it. 
and then made it 20 to 17. I mean, that was awesome. Like you're like, they're not giving in. They're not, you know, they're that I just was so impressed with that. And then of course Mahomes comes back, Kelsey, 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 Kelsey. Kelsey. <laughs> 27. And then Mahomes says to Marcus Scandling made it 27-17. And then uh, Agnew almost broke. I feel bad for Agnew because he break almost he literally almost had it by the uh, Buckner, the kicker for kids. He just tripped him up at the last second. Otherwise, Agnew runs in for a kickoff return for a touchdown. He gets it tripped up. They're driving down, and then he fumbles the ball. So he would never <laughs> fumble the ball, and then the game was over. But uh, Lawrence was 217 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Etienne, 10 carries, 62 yards. But you liked, you know, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Mahomes, just, a, you know, 22 for 30, 195, two touchdowns. But really, when Chad Henney came in, that played so great. Um, but uh, yeah, the ability that I felt that the Kansas City had to run the ball, and we're seeing it throughout. You have to run. That's what Buffalo's problem is. you got to run the ball. And like you said with Kelsey, interesting stat. He led the league in red zone targets this year. A tight end led the league in red zone targets. 31 of them. Turned 10 of them into touchdowns. Um, let's go to Cincinnati and Buffalo. And uh, it, it's hard to kind of, you know, you're seeing this throughout the national media today. They lost, of course. They didn't look good in a loss, 27-10 to 10 to Cincinnati. But you're kind of seeing, like, the country's turning on the Buffalo Bills, who were, were a darling three weeks ago. They were a darling to start the season. Now it's like burn it down. Ago. Yeah. 24 hours ago, oh, what a great story. DeMar Hamlin's coming to the game. Oh, what a great story. They've survived all this, all the problems, all the issues. Suddenly, they want McDermott fired, and Allen is way overrated as a quarterback. I mean, where does this happen? Like, totally <laughs> on a dime. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I— Look, Buffalo got beat by Cincinnati since it was a better team. But to write off this entire season that Buffalo had, and, and I just want to say is they started out 2-0. They lose to Miami, that crazy game. They beat Baltimore. They beat, they beat Pittsburgh 38-3. It's worse than I've ever seen Pittsburgh ever beat. And then they go to Kansas City and win 24-20. So they, they when they beat Kansas City, they're like, okay, they're the Super Bowl favorite. Yet. Green Bay. Then they lose the Jets. They lose that crazy game to the Vikings, which the most craziest plays in the world. Then they win six in a row. But remember, they there was a snow game where they couldn't play the game. They didn't know if they were going to play. They were stranded in snow. Players weren't even, they didn't even have practice for an entire week. They have to go out to Detroit. They play two games back-to-back in Detroit, lived in Detroit for a whole week to do it. Then they come back. Then they, they beat New England, you know, they, and, then, and then they have the whole, it's in Cincinnati with DeMar Hanlon losing. Not only DeMar Hanlon was injured, thought he was dead on the, on the field, which is traumatic. They had to cancel the game. But also he's one of their top players, the third leading tackler on the team. You know, so they were now missing him. And this was just, I think the idea, is that game going to be scheduled, not rescheduled? All this, and people thought, I think it was just too much. I saw with the Steelers with the COVID year, when their schedule kept moving around, it wasn't regular, and I thought they were going to help, it was going to bond them together, but it didn't. It, it really wore down on them, and this. And Allen was injured early. They made a comment that he's been injured, So, and they lose Von Miller. They lost a couple guys in the secondary. His team has other problems, but I'm not giving them a mulligan on the year. They want to win this game. They had this game at home, and also, this is something we've talked about. They should not be playing. They're building a new stadium. We're not talking about something abject in, in the in the farcicals you know, in the future, whatever. We're talking about right now, they're planning a stadium without a dome. Now you have Josh it's Allen, they clearly, like if they were, they, they look their best when they play in a dome. They don't run the ball. They want to have wide receivers go down. People said, oh, he should have just stood back there and threw for digs could go down 50 yards. But in the snow, you can't run so fast. Like if you're on a fast turf, you're running fast. That's why when you see these teams that, you know, that put the field up and grow the grass real tall because they don't want the other team to go throw the ball. The idea is, I don't know why that you could see the benefit of being at home with this type of team, with how they play. 
day. I mean, I think you just build a dome and forget about it. And it was snowing and the weather was terrible. But I, from that perspective, I do want to give sort of a mulligan to the Bills. I, I just, I was ready to, to bash them like other people. But then I saw every, you know, Sean McDermott can't coach. the most tumultuous season in, in recent memory. Yes. I mean, nobody's had a play. They've had the only game since 1950 that was canceled during the year. And no one knew when it was going to be played. And no one was going to be played again. They were in a lot of stress. Uh, losing, you know, Hamlin was, it was their beloved. He was, he was dead. They didn't, and when he recovered, they know he was, he was on critical condition for three, four days. Yeah. I, I just, I, to not give them a mulligan to someone saying, look, they, their lot went on. You give Cincinnati credit. Cincinnati played well. But I'm not willing to say that Buffalo, oh, they're, they're a mess. Like, that type of thing. Well, I, I think, you know, we as fans and, you know, analysts can come to those conclusions. I don't think Vegas is going to. I think their odds to win the Super Bowl next year, barring no drastic roster changes, are going to be top three, top four. I, I think they, they're still going to get the credit, but we like knee-jerk reactions in this society, I guess. And now, because Josh Allen didn't look great down the stretch, he's a bum. And that, that's how we're looking at it. <laughs> I, I still think he's better than 30, you know, 29 other quarterbacks in the league. I, I, I'm getting, we said that if Josh Allen was offered in a trade to any other team except Kansas City, they're making the trade. And that, that includes Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville would say, would you like Josh Allen for Trevor Lawrence? They'll make that trade. Do you want Justin Herbert for to Chargers? They'll make that trade. Certainly everyone else. I, I Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, they'll take that trade. So, I mean, don't, everyone thinks Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I mean, Josh Allen's phenomenal. Like, he's, one the, he's a top quarterback. Like, I just don't get it in terms of the, his ability to make these plays. Certainly, he throws in some interceptions and this and that, but you know they had the best record in the AFC, so they were going to have our second best record in the AFC. So what happened in this game? Because Cincinnati just they, they scored early. Jamar, I don't think there was someone within a zip code of Jamar Chase on, on that first touchdown, and they just kind of. I don't want to say didn't take their foot off the gas, but Buffalo never looked like they had a shot in this game. No, it was, it, you know, I've been to some of these blowouts now because I was at the Georgia TCU game. So now I'm looking and I was at the, <laughs> I was at the Jacksonville Charger game. And so at that point, you know, you're looking at the first plays and you look at those first things when they run. The first plays are six yards, five yards, 23 yards, 10 yards, seven yards, 28 yards, touchdown. Like they're not like one or two yard gains. They were like, boom, boom, boom. It's like a high school team when a quad A is playing a single A. It was like, wow. And they were receivers were wide open. And then the city drove it down again and the same thing uh matt milano mike matt milano matt milano, matt milano. I, I, he's the only reason why buffalo was here the game the plays he made was tremendous on buffalo's perspective their linebacker um he he was just absolutely amazing he forced the on a, a, a sack on burrow that uh, that forced them to punt which is amazing that intercepted the deflection in the end zone but just the tackles all over he was the only like buffalo player running around but just a tremendous performance but burrow came down at one point when they scored again um when he burrow threw to hurst his tight end nine for nine 105 yards two touchdowns um, in the first quarter, Cincinnati was 10, led 10-0 on first downs, 168 yards, 12 uh, minutes to three minutes. And then the Bills, uh, you know, finally they, they did score. So when they scored, it made it 14-7. That's where I think the difference between this and the Giants and the uh, Eagles game was that Bills did score that touchdown. You're like, okay, now we're back in the game. But then, uh, you know, then the Cincinnati went down and got the field goal, made it 17-7. Should have been a touchdown. Should have been a touchdown, but that was Milano. Matt Milano, bro- yeah, uh, Chase, they ruled Chase. a touchdown and then ruled whatever that it's not. But I think the Bills had so much it was a mess there at the end of the second half they couldn't get in position to, to even move the ball and then uh, you know for then after halftime uh, the weird thing is in these games you can see how you control the clock in the whole third quarter there was only three possessions the, the Bills had the ball Cincinnati had the balls the Bills just went down got a field goal 17-10 Cincinnati went down scored made it 24-10 and the Bills punted and Gabe Davis drops the ball and as someone who fought, had Gabe Davis on my fancy team that's one of the other problems the Bills have they need another superstar wide receiver and it's not Gabe 
Gabe Davis. No. Everyone thought it was going to be. It He's wasn't. a fine number three. No, and then and then Cincinnati got third down. They got a pass interference in the end zone, made it 27. When it was 27-10, you know, it was over. They had scored on five of seven possessions. But the Bills really only had, you know, they had those two possessions where they went, they punted three and out where Davis dropped the ball. And they had the one where they just had a seven-minute drive of 17-10. But it was sort of like that was that was the the whole game was that. Like, it was just the Cincinnati's ability just to have these short passes and Burrow's ability to make. And they ran play. the ball. Excellent, too. They ran the ball. And that was the key. They had 172 yards rush. To 63 for Buffalo, and what are we talking about? These Josh Allen was their leading rusher again. It's not good. No, I mean Nixon had 105 yards. Perrine, Perrine, I think they were helped a little bit. This is weird about Cincinnati. They lost Chase, so the other receivers were able to, like Higgins was able to uh, to develop a little more, and you also throwing to Hurst more that helped. And also when Nixon was out, Perrine started scoring touchdowns left and right. Was that that Steeler game when he scored three touchdowns? So I think they used them both. I think that it just. It seemed like Cincinnati looked fantastic, and then on defense, you got to give them tremendous credit. They really were able to stop them. But I, again, I just don't think that they like. If you look at the stats of the game, Allen was twenty-five for forty-two, two sixty-five yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, one sack. And you know, the key thing we said going into the game was Burrow and the three new offensive linemen, only one sack, and that was it. But someone made a good comment when it's snowy, when the field's hard to run, and that's when the defensive linemen they can't get off, they can't pressure. So that was a benefit to Cincinnati not being able to have. Of course, there's no Von Miller that Bills have, but it's hard to pressure a quarterback when you can't get footing on your feet to go and throw. I thought that that, that line was going to be in shambles. They did way better than I anticipated. Tremendous performance. Yeah. Tremendous. It's 724, Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel, CBS Sports play-by-play uh, play-by-play announcer Andrew Catalan joins us in a few minutes. Follow Ira on social media at Ira on Sports and unfollow me on social media because it's not happy with the Giants right now, Ira. <laughs> Great season for the New York Giants. I still am standing by Brian Dable as coach of the year. But man, they did not show up in this game against their division rival, Philadelphia Eagles. Well, again, this was a, a, this was just a disaster. I mean, it would seem like the Eagles, you know, Hurts. The question going to the game was uh, Jalen Hurts out shoulder. Shoulder's fine. Are they going to run the ball? He did everything. He ran it. He passed it. I mean, he only passed for 150 yards, two touchdowns. But he only had one sack. He had nine carries, 34 yards. But it's just the just the total domination on their offensive line, the total defensive. I mean, I think this shows a little bit that the Giants maybe. Were the Minnesota wasn't that good. Like the win over Minnesota yeah. seemed like, oh, that was a great win. The Giants are there, but they just couldn't do anything. And I'm not ready to say that Dable, uh, you know, after the Eagles scored, they went on fourth down. They didn't get it. I, at first, I've like criticizing, but you know what? Maybe he realized they were outmatched and they wanted to do on a fourth and eight on their own, on their 40 yard line, 40 yard line to the Eagles to try that. But then Hurts threw to Devontae Smith. Eagles punted, then it was 21 28 nothing. And when it was, this game was 28 nothing, did it have that feel of different than the Jaguar, the Jacksonville game, of course. and the Chargers? And, <laughs> This this felt Georgia Tennessee Georgia TCU did, like yeah. this totally felt Georgia TCU twenty eight nothing it's like they're not coming back you're not coming back to this game like this mm-hmm. game is over at fourteen nothing after about six minutes I knew we weren't coming back I'm gonna say but I want to say something that no one's discussed about so I, that's why you should listen to Iron Sports because I think we bring things up that no one else talks about AJ Brown what happened. What was going on in that game? First of all, he looked hurt. He could They didn't throw long passes. He had three catches for 32 yards. Don't remember, he was the difference. He was the free agent signing. He's the one who stretched the field. And he's someone I did not draft in my fantasy, who I watched the entire year torch defenses. I saw him against the Steelers store touchdown for touchdown. They couldn't cover him at all. He got the GM of Tennessee fired. Yes. And GM got, Tennessee season one. So A.J. Brown is an important player. Devontae Smith played well, but A.J. Brown is an extremely important player on this team. So they didn't go to him. 
I don't know if he was hurt. He dropped a ball. I dropped a ball, and then you saw at the end of the game, he was talked to. It seemed like the like Sirianni was talking to him about it and shaking his head. Like I don't know what was going on with that, but but you know, Diggs and Allen had that fight for Buffalo at the end. But that, their season over. Who knows that they have months and months to repair their relationship. I don't know what with AJ Brown, but they're not going to beat San Francisco if AJ Brown is another bad game like that. They can't, and they didn't stretch the field. They didn't throw those long bombs. Now I was waiting for that to happen, but I just think that's the one thing I I, I have been reading. I, I haven't read anything no, about what happened. About it. So what happened with A.J. Brown and was he hurt? Was he not hurt? And and the injury reports haven't come out yet, but I just thought that he, his, he was the only Eagle that sort of wasn't involved in this entire game. Maybe it was the fact that they wasn't needed. <laughs> you know, they they were up fast and early and, and didn't didn't look to him. No, it's a good point, though. And And you're absolutely going to need him against San Francisco because they've got you outmanned and outgunned everywhere. You need as many weapons as and you Hurts can get. And is going to have to throw down the field, which he's proved he can. But, you know, his shoulder really wasn't tested. I, he only threw a couple balls that were real long balls with that. Um, and, but, you know, they really stopped Daniel Jones. I mean, 135 yards passing, uh, hit five sacks. Uh, but it really wasn't. It, it's just it's one of those things. That, there was nothing, no no area of the game where the Giants ever in this game it was over. Over fast, over early. And uh, I'm sorry. You know, that's why Jacksonville feels confident that, boy, they really played well in this, but the Giants, this feeling There's is no like, confidence built yeah, on that game. And I think Dave will say, you know, he called, said I, I, he's performed, Daniel Jones performed, ah. And then he goes, yeah. he's going back next year, he goes, we'll see. Now, that wasn't a good thing. I was like, <laughs> you know, I thought that was, I mean, you know, they were just, uh, crazy. Not, not the biggest vote of confidence. No, it was coach. not. But now they've shown their, their GM came out and said, we were going to work out a deal. We're going to figure something yeah. out. We're going to sign him. We want to sign him. What you said is an interesting point about the Giants beating the Vikings. Maybe the Vikings aren't that good. And this was earlier in the season, the Giants beat the Packers. And then two weeks later, the Jets beat the Packers. And you're like, the, the Giants' win doesn't feel as good anymore since the Jets just beat these guys too. Like, maybe they're not very good and we're getting lucky. That's why I want to say something about this championship game. I want to... I, I, I feel that the, the Eagles almost had another buy. Like, don't go so excited that they beat the Giants by so People much. People think that the Philly is going to crush San Francisco. They do. And San Francisco barely beat the Cowboys. But the Cowboys, I think, are a lot, lot better than the Giants. Yes. So the thing is, don't just hold <laughs> don't hold that back what San Francisco did. Again, like, you see this in college football all the time. Oh, that team blew a team out 50 to nothing. Well, that team was terrible. Like, let them. So I'm excited with the game. I think they're both even teams. But I do not think that, like, I don't think the Giants. I think the Giants is better than them. Yeah. <laughs> They should almost be the underdogs in this game, and they might be by the time all is said and done. Dallas and San Fran, we don't have all that much time before we get to Andrew Catalan. What happened here? San Francisco did enough to win. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, is going to the NFC Championship game. Well, I, first of all, I want to time out about this Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant thing. <laughs> I, it's driving me nuts. So first of all, he, he has... This is in 2019. Oklahoma was playing Iowa State. The score was 42 to 20, 21, and Purdy led them back on a 20, to 20 points in the fourth quarter. Again, who did he go against that day? He he went back to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was 18 for 26 for three touchdowns and and two three passes and two rushing touchdowns. Purdy threw for five touchdowns that day, and he ran for one. But this is what Purdy did his entire career. His he was he 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 played it in uh, you know started many games you know I think it was like. Uh, 46 games. What is it? He's his total career was uh, um, 48 college games, uh, 12,000 yards, 81 touchdowns. Uh, it was four year starter for the team. Matt Campbell. They were ranked in the top ten at Iowa State. He's playing against teams like he's going to Oklahoma, going to Texas, winning big games. This guy's been in these games. He's not some kid off the street, right? I just don't get this. And he went head to head with Jalen Hurts. And trust me, his offensive line stunk. When he was at Iowa State, they had the, we had the worst offense. Wherever they were playing, his offensive line was worse than the other Oklahoma's and Texas. 
Texas offensive line, and he still put up these numbers. So I'm just saying is that everyone's making this comment that he's like Mr. Relevant, this and this and this. I, what's he different than Kenny Pickett? Like, what's he different than these other quarterbacks? Like, I just don't get it. I, I, I just, I, I hate the term Mr. Relevant. I hate the term. I mean, it's just to me, it's 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 ridiculous. It's like I almost they said it to Brady his first two three years. I mean, how many Super Bowls has Whitmer said? Oh, you know, it's drafted so late. Eight quarterbacks were ahead of him. All this other stuff, but. Brock Purdy was a four-year starter at Iowa State. He led his you know, team to the rankings. They in the Fiesta Bowl in, in the junior year. They won the Fiesta Bowl 34-17 of Oregon. Um, it was their highest ranking. It was like ninth in the country since 1895. So this is at Iowa State, and they're not playing Division Three. They're playing Big 12 football. So I give him a lot of credit for that. But that was why I think the idea is that I would that – Brock Purdy is a lot better than people are making him out to be. We don't have too much time, but what do you want to talk about in this game? Dak Prescott, once again, totally underwhelming. Should have been three three interceptions. Uh, one should have been a pick six with two minutes to go. Yeah, I mean, Dallas's defense came to play, and then Prescott threw the interception in the first quarter. That set up the field goal 3 nothing. And then Dak had his one drive. You know, he threw to Schultz, and they Mauer misses the extra point, which had no chance to even hitting, making it 6-3. It was blocked, but it wasn't going in. <laughs> and then San Francisco made it 6-6, and Dallas down. And uh, this was where it was fourth and four on the 35 and if Maurer was available I think they would have kicked the field goal though they don't they scram- he scrambles gets the first down but then t- Pollard got hurt their running back Pollard gets hurt on that pl- next play so he would have potentially not got hurt Prescott throws the interception and sets it up for a San Francisco field goal to make it 9-6 at halftime um, in the second half you know Dallas got an advantage McLeod fumbles the punt everyone yeah. talks about how you know, San Francisco is this and that he fumbled the punt and Dallas you know t- but there was big save just 9-9 but then the key play was San Francisco drove uh, down Purdy to Kittle on that pass where he juggled it like a million times. Uh, but then, but then they were, you know, they were able to go and score a touchdown on that when he handed off to McCaffrey 16-9. I mean, that, the key play also that was on Kittle when they uh, the uh, pass interference in the end zone was crucial to get let them go have that drive 16-9. But you know, Dallas came back, made it 16-12, and then San Francisco had that 13 play, 64 yard drive, eight minutes. Purdy converted on two third downs. I look at McCaffrey. Um, they made the field goal but just that eight minute drive was that was key make it 1912 Dallas gets the ball three timeouts left Three, three, three minutes left, and then you mentioned this to Greenlaw. He just the first pass he throws is to Green. Should have been a pick six interception. Yeah, doesn't Greenlaw have, dropped it. Then he missed the pass to Gallup, and then he was sacked by Ubacom. And I think they're getting a lot of criticism. Like, should they call the timeout with less than two? You know, when the clock was running down. But I thought they might go for it. I mean, there was a point. I, I'm going to give them a, a mulligan on that because I think it was. I think it was an issue whether you should kick for it or not go go for it at that point. It was third and it was fourth and ten, so he was only sacked on there. But they ended up kicking the ball and. And then Elijah Mitchell, I mean, San Francisco had this game won, and he's running on a first down play, and he runs out of bounds. Like, I can't believe he <laughs> ran out of bounds. Keep the cock running, man. If, if he was running to the touchdown, he would have should have fallen out. To run out of bounds, and it was stupid for him to run. He didn't, all he had to do was fall down. He didn't fall down, and, he, and that gave, gave Dallas the ball 45 seconds to go. And now everyone's talking about, you know, how they handled the final 45 seconds from their own six-yard line. Like, at that point, it's, you know, there was mistakes and what play they ran or whatever, but the game was over. San Francisco was not going to blow give up, let them score a touchdown like that. But I think the issue was really on that, that previous time with three minutes to go with three timeouts, that, that pass play and the, and the bad passes that Dak did and the mistakes he made during that time. Let's go to Andrew Catalan here, Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports, and we're so excited to have back on the show um, from CBS Sports, uh, the football announcer, Andrew Catalan, play-by-play. Thanks a lot, Andrew, for coming on Iron Sports. 
Of course, Ira. Good to talk to you again. Well, I was just mentioning off air to you that you're now famous. You're on the Chris Mad Dog Russo show. He brings you on, and you don't really talk a lot of sports. You talk about your travel because, again, you seem to have some crazy travel experiences, but we'll stay away from that on today's show. <laughs> Hopefully I have smooth uh, smooth travel here for my college basketball. Anytime I'm talking a travel story, it usually is not a good thing, so I'm hoping just for some nice, easy flights. So we're just going to run this. So what we're going to do is we're going to run through the games yesterday, get get your opinion on the games, and then, of course, go to some general questions about the teams that weren't playing. So let's just jump right in here and go talk about Jacksonville and Kansas City. Uh, if there was one team that had a smile on their face after the game that lost yesterday, it would have to be Jacksonville. You broadcast, I think, four or five of their games this year. Talk a little about Jacksonville and, and what their feeling is after yesterday's game. Yeah, there's no doubt. They have so many positives to take away, and I think when you look at the rest of the division, they are set up much better than the other three teams going into next year. I just can't give enough credit to Doug Peterson. I mean, I think the marriage between Peterson and Trevor Lawrence is exactly what the quarterback needed, exactly what the organization needed. Um, There's a lot of trust there, Peterson having played the position You know, last year was a disaster in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. Um, There's no two ways about it. I think it was almost as if it was another rookie year for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, the the way they fought back from some big deficits, they were down 17 to the Raiders. They were down nine in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. Um, They really, they had some, obviously we know what happened in the wild card game. Uh, The way that their resolve, their toughness, and the way that they were able to compete down the stretch, I think, uh, it was a great sign for them going forward, and I think they got the right guy for the job in Doug Peterson. And then on the Kansas City's perspective, with Patrick Holmes going out of the game, Chad, the fact that you have a backup quarterback that can lead a team on a 98-yard drive just shows you something about the team is about. But I just loved how they just, you know, the game, they could have let this game get away from them, Jacksonville to win, but the, for them to stay in it and take that lead and hold on was, I give Patrick Holmes all the credit in the world. Yeah, no doubt. Fighting through it, being able to be out there, and obviously they have a tremendous home field advantage. I mean, I think that's just a really difficult place to play. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not easy coming off a bye. You know, obviously, you, you strive for that during the regular season, but sometimes it takes a while in that first game back, especially against a team that came off a win like Jacksonville did. So kudos to the Chiefs for uh, figuring it out and uh, surviving and advancing to the championship game. And then moving on to Cincinnati and Buffalo, were you surprised when it was 14 nothing, and you're just waiting for that answer from Buffalo and sort of like they seem to be almost out of the game the entire game at home, just never get their footing, and Cincinnati Joe Burrow could just do whatever they wanted offensively and also shutting down Josh Allen defensively? Yeah, two things. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I knew that Cincinnati was this good. Um, <laughs> and I, think that, I Really, I mean, I, I think that I knew they were a good team, but I didn't think they were this good, and I think that with everything that's happened over the last few weeks, it certainly seems like they're using that as a motivating factor. So I think you have to credit Cincinnati first. Uh, but second, yeah, that's not the Buffalo team I think we were accustomed to seeing. Now, they didn't, they didn't finish the season in style, per se, in terms of the way they were playing. Uh, I think some of their best football came earlier in the year. Uh, but that was a you know, relatively flat performance yesterday. And I was very surprised. It's not, you know, not what we're accustomed to seeing. And Again, you give Cincinnati credit, but that's a that's a really disappointing loss for the Bills. 
on the national media, I don't hear this ta- discussion about Buffalo a lot, but remember, in the middle of the year, with the snow, they had to actually move one of their games to Detroit. They didn't know where they are going to play for two weeks. They didn't know if the game was going to be canceled. They'd have to stay in Detroit for two weeks to play. You know, They did go to Kansas City and beat Kansas City at Kansas City. And then they have the Hamlin situation, which you know we love the outcome. You love how he's motivating. But first, you know, he was also their third-leading tackler. But it also, it's such draining experience for them, for the team. And maybe that just took a lot out of them from the, from the idea that they had for the snow and from the Hamlin injury uh, maybe was something that hurt them at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't think they're the type of team, the type of leadership that would ever use that as uh, an expl- explanation or an excuse. But I think that, you know, when you look at the way they performed, especially yesterday, um, that, that's, that's fair to say. I mean, they went through a whole lot this year. I, I personally thought that was going to make them stronger. The fact that they went through so many things together that they were going to you know, be able to pick it up and bond together here in the playoffs, but didn't happen. Uh, again, you got to give Cincinnati credit, but I think it's going to be a tough off season in Buffalo. And then for the AFC Championship game, Cincinnati at Kansas City. I mean, is Cincinnati going to actually try to you know win four games against them? You know, they won the previous three by three points. But what's your prediction of the AFC Championship game? Yeah, I think Cincinnati is the hottest team right now. I, you know. I, as I said earlier, I don't think that going into Arrowhead is a very easy proposition for any team. Uh, but if there's a team that you know you don't want to play right now, I'd say it's Cincinnati. I mean, they've just got everything rolling for them, even without their offensive line, which you know I thought was going to be a big issue yesterday. It was pretty much a non-factor. You got to give credit to the the guys that stepped up and in, in uh, up front for all the injuries they've had. So you know, I, it's hard for me to pick against Kansas City at home. Uh, but to me right now, Cincinnati is playing the best football of any team out there. And then moving to the NFC, uh, going into this game for a team is, that's a number one seed. The Eagles had a lot of question marks, but those question marks became answers. I think in the, you know, in the first 30 minutes of the game, it was like, okay, we now, so what the Eagles are back, but yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think, you know, we're talking about maybe Kansas city, a little, off the mark coming off a bye. I think the bye was the, the opposite for Philadelphia. It came at a great time. It allowed Hurts to get another week. And I think Nick Sirianni, when given time to prepare for an opponent, is just he's proven that he can really pick you apart. And I kind of had the feeling all week that it was either going to be an Eagles blowout or a tight Giants win. I didn't see Philadelphia winning like a 10-point game. And I think as soon as they fell behind 7 nothing, I started thinking, all right, it's going to be one of those days where they're going to – they're going to put 30 on the board. So, yeah, they look like a dangerous team, especially at home. And, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is just, uh, you know, he doesn't get a ton of credit. People still kind of pick him apart at times. But, it's hey, he's a legit quarterback. And that Philadelphia team is uh, going to have their hands full against San Fran. But that, that's a really good Eagles team. And just to turn to the Giants for a second, when your coach describes your performance as ah, E-H, <laughs> I want to ask about Daniel Jones. Not a total voice of confidence, vote of confidence for Daniel Jones. What do you think about Jones, and what do you think about Jones's future uh, with the Giants, and, and is he the quarterback, and, and what do you think the Giants are going to do about him? Yeah, they got some tough decisions to make in the offseason with Barkley as well. I, you know, I think, it's, I think that Jones proved this year that he can be a, a good quarterback in this league at the starting level, but how much, how much money is he going to want? How much are the Giants willing to pay? Um, you know, those are all types of things that um, will be sorted out here in due time. But you know, I, I think the Giants would feel would feel comfortable if Jones is their QB next year and going forward for the next few years, as long as they do it at their price. 
and so I think that's going to be kind of where it you know where it shakes down. But you know, you know it, Ira. There's going to be a lot of quarterback movement again this off season. It seems like it always happens. So. You know, I think that when you're talking about a, a shakeup at QB, anything's possible with the names that are out there right now. I just we talked about the the smile that Trevor Lawrence had after the loss and said, you know, this is just the beginning, not the end, and all those things. Then we turn to the Dallas San Francisco game. I don't think I've ever seen a team take a loss as hard. I mean, it is it is just super cloudy and stormy and, and cowboy land. I mean, they really after that win over the Buccaneers, the confidence level was sky high. And of course, it was a great team, but but that loss is just a devastating loss to them in that game. Yeah, it's hard to. It's hard to wrap your head around the fact how long it's been since Dallas has gone to a championship game or a Super Bowl. I mean, it, you know, it's not something I was paying close attention to. It's just, you know, they're they're kind of in it every year. But, you know, you look at the numbers and it's like, wow, it's been a long time. Now, I think San Francisco is the better team. I mean, I know that Dallas beat the Bucks, but, I, you know, I think that that Tampa Bay roster, as you know, was, was uh, kind of pieced together there down the stretch. So, you know, I think San Francisco is uh, is a legit force. Kyle Shanahan is a great coach, uh, and but I don't know where you, where you go if you're Dallas. I mean, you, you've got a lot of money wrapped up in your running back. Uh, there's a lot of questions for the Cowboys again. And also with Dak Prescott, I mean, paying him you know, as one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the league in terms of a uh, uh, payroll, it, it gives him it doesn't give them a lot of flexibility. But you know, you're starting to have doubts about that. Is Dak going to be the quarterback that is going to take them to the Super Bowl? Um, there's just so many questions, and and really they're in a completely win now mode. Like they have to win now. This is not a rebuilding like you know you know check back in three four years. It's it's going to be a tough situation in Dallas. Yeah, and the, you know you look at their division too, and those teams are all ascending. Obviously, Philly could win the Super Bowl. Giants had a great run with you know a roster that'll be significantly upgraded in the off season. And I know Washington kind of is the same middle of the pack team every year, but you know their defense is legit. And if they figured out a quarterback, they could be a, a problem. They already beat Dallas in the last week of the regular season, so. I think that in that NFC East, it's only going to get tougher uh, for the Cowboys. Can you remember a team with so many weapons that San Francisco has? Now, we know on the quarterback with Brock Purdy, but on, from the from wide receivers to running backs, it just seems like they have an all-pro team in almost every position, and they're just fun to watch in terms of their ability to design their offenses and, and throw things out, you know, just confuse the defenses. Yeah, the trade for McCaffrey was fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I think that Kyle Shanahan, with all those weapons at his disposal, is is a very dangerous coach here in the final in the championship round here coming up on Sunday. So, yeah, they they they've got a lot of talent on both sides of the football. They're well coached, and I don't think they're going to be intimidated going on the road. We we know that Philly is a tough place to play, uh, but it doesn't strike me that this San Francisco team will will be intimidated. Now that. You know, the, you could tell me the quarterback's going to come down to earth one of these days, and I'd say, yeah, I don't know when that's going to be. It could be this Sunday, but, you know, I think that they got the right kind of ma- uh, makeup to go into Philly and, and give them a game, if not win it. What, what are you, what's your prediction? Where do you th- how do you see this game breaking down? You know, I don't think Philly's going to play as well as they, they did against the Giants, um, but they're still going to be tough to beat. But I, I've been kind of on this San Francisco train all year, so I, I probably, 
I'd probably take the Niners, but would not certainly be shocked if, if, if Philly prevails and goes on to the Super Bowl. I say the Niners, too. Everyone's saying I'm crazy. Then the line comes out at two. And I said, that's why the line's only two. You know, but people, it seems like I have a lot of friends that are totally you know, like, oh, this is going to be a blowout. Eagles are going to blow them out. And I, I'm like, you haven't watched San Francisco the, the last like two and a half months. They, they're dominating. But yeah, I think it's the quarterback. I, I do. I think people just think that he's going to. You know, turn into the last pick of the draft at some point, but he hasn't done that yet, and I, you know that's why I, I think that they, they definitely could win that game. Well, the one thing I say, Andrew, uh, we that uh, Purdy played at Iowa State. He started eighty six Big Twelve games. He played at Oklahoma. Played games at Tennessee. He went against Jalen Hurts and threw six, threw five touchdowns and ran for one against Oklahoma. So he's been in these big games. It's not like someone who doesn't have a lot of experience. He's played in these. I know it's not the NFL experience, but it's some. Who has, I mean, when he was at Iowa State, they had they didn't have the best offensive line either. He's running for his life and still throwing all these touchdowns. Yeah, no, I give him a ton of credit. He just seems so composed, and even in the post game interview, he's you know he's not too wide eyed. It just seems like he's taking everything in stride. I think a lot of that is because of you know Kyle Shanahan and his coaching and the system they have out there. But to his credit, he's not making the big mistakes and he's keeping the train on the tracks, and that's all you can ask for for San Francisco right now. We're talking to my favorite CBS Sports or Fox anyone NFL broadcaster Andrew Catalan. So Andrew, let's move off these games a little bit and go on to the big issues of the day, which everyone I mean I ever knew I had you was gonna have you on the show and they're like, Well, ask him about this. I'm like, I got these covered, don't worry. We're just gonna say the name. Tom Brady, what do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, I mean you're closer to it than I am. I mean it, it seems like Again, this is just me guessing. I not like I have any in, inside information. I don't know if anybody does with Brady, but it seems like his days in Tampa are over, and it seems to me like Vegas is a is a natural fit with Josh McDaniels there, and the way that they kind of kicked Derek Carr out the door. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to say. You know, Tom, as we all know, went through a lot in, in his private life the, this season and the off season. So, if he decides he's had enough, then. Good for him. He's the greatest of all time. But if he wants to give it another go, someone's going to sign him. And I would imagine that the Raiders would be uh, among the favorites to do that. Well, you did the Raiders at Jacksonville game this year. I mean, I was surprised that, like, if they didn't have a, a, a next strategy plan, I was surprised that the Raiders would get rid of Carr, who was so wedded to the franchise, such a quality person. Um, I, so they, they must have this in their back of their mind. It has to be. I love Carr. I mean, I was, you know, very surprised as well when they were still mathematically alive for the playoffs and they sent him home. I mean, I know that it was a long shot for them to get in, but still, I mean, this, this guy is giving his heart and soul to the organization. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like obviously he's coming back. He said as much. Um, but he's going to be a good pickup for somebody. I mean, I don't know where. If he, you know, the Jets are going to stick with Zach Wilson, but Derek Carr – Moving into that Jets team with a really good defense already, I mean, that, that could be a really good team in the AFC East. I don't know where he's going to end up, but I'm a big fan of Derek, and uh, wherever he ends up, I, I think he'll do a good job. And sticking back down here in Florida, Tua, I mean, what a year. I mean, it's just up and down from the beginning. It's just everything has been crazy. I know you did their game at Detroit, I think, this year. Um, where do you think they go with him? And what do you think? I mean, they seem to say that, you know, he's the quarterback next year. But, you know, the health issues, all those things are concerns. Yeah, I mean, look, he uh, had a tough year, but when he was out there, he showed you that he can be the guy. And it sounds like, just from listening to the press conferences and 
you know, the way that they feel about him, that they want him to be the guy as long as he's healthy. And, you know, I think he's got some tough decisions to make. You know, it's, it's been documented that his family has, you know, wanted him to kind of step back and, and make sure that his health comes first, which I, I'm sure that Miami and the doctors and Tua all want as well. So, you know, I, I think that as long as he gets that clean bill of health, that, that he's going to be the guy down there. And, you know, they'll have to bring in a, a good backup quarterback like they had in Bridgewater. It was just unfortunate that he couldn't really stay healthy when they needed him. But, you know, I think that, you know, Tua will be the guy, I would think, going into week one and then uh, making sure they have a, a good backup plan in case he gets hurt. And then another quarterback, Lamar Jackson. It, it just seems this is just a contract negotiation. I just can't see him September playing. You had you did a couple Baltimore games this year. I can't see him playing on another team uh, for next year. Yeah, I agree with you. It just seems like they're just so built for him. You know, like, it's almost like if they get rid of him, they all, they have to start a whole new offense in a way because. They they built that around Lamar Jackson. I think it makes too much sense for him to come back. I mean, whether it's on the tag or whether it's a big extension, you know, obviously that's what he wants. Um, but I, I have a hard time imagining him in a different uniform as well. I agree with you. But what about Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it seems like now this is impossible. People think they know what's going to happen with with Tom Brady. This one seems like totally. And you know, you're up in you know, up in New York. I mean, I mean, the Jet fans just keep talking about Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. So it's just the Aaron Rodgers issue is just that is. I mean, I never saw Devontae Adams leaving for the Raiders, so you just don't know what's going to happen with this. But I think that's what you know. This is definitely going to be talked about until something happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait on that one too. I mean, it seems like he's in no rush to really make up his mind. He's owed a lot of money next year. I, I I would, I know he's made a lot of money in his career, but I I don't, I can't see him walking away, uh, especially with all that money. Uh, the question is whether it'll be with Green Bay or somebody else. You know, I I still think he'll be the Packers' quarterback next year, but as you said, uh, nobody really knows what's going on through his mind, so it's going to be a wait and see game with him. I can't remember, turning to some coaching, I can't remember a coach that seemed to have been so much in demand. I mean, you almost have to look back years and years ago when Bill Barcells was was perhaps going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and somewhere else. But I, it seemed like, you know, it was like strange that we'd come back and, and coach it. I can't, Sean Payton seems to be like, he can just pick his team. He can pick wherever he wants to go, pick his salary. You know, the numbers are 25, 30 million. He has so much power. Where do you think it's, it's going to end up? I mean, could it end up in Dallas even? But like, where is he thinking about going what do you think about Sean Payton yeah I mean look he's won a Super Bowl he's a proven winner he's a great offensive mind I think there's a lot to like about Sean Payton and it seems like maybe one year away will even help him a little bit give him a little more uh, juice going into wherever his next job may be if he takes a job I mean he could he could potentially sit out uh, until another coaching cycle but it does sound like he's going to come back I mean, the two teams I would think with the most money to offer are Denver and Carolina. So, you know, would the Saints uh, be okay? Because remember, they have to get compensation for Peyton. So would the Saints be okay to to let him go to a a division opponent in Carolina? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on what the Panthers are going to give him. But, you know, Denver has a ton of money with their new ownership. I know they want to make a splash. Um just does Sean Payton believe that Russell Wilson and the Broncos in that division could, could you know, could win? Um, so I would say it's one of those two jobs. You kind of follow where the money goes in this situation. Uh, but there's a chance that he sits out another year and maybe waits to see if 
Mike McCarthy struggles in Dallas next year or something else opens up that's more appealing to him. I don't know, but if if you're telling me he's going to coach this season coming up, I would say Denver 1, Carolina 2, just because of the money the owners have. Right, right, right. And I'm here interviewing you dressed head to toe in Steeler gear. I'm a big Steeler fan. And I don't think there was anyone more surprised. I mean, you talk about like Ira right, Ira wrong. I, I don't, I, I thought this year was going to be a complete utter disaster. And, and I give Tomlin so much credit, just the, the way they fought there back at the end and how Kenny Pickett emerged. Uh, and I, I know you did the Pittsburgh at Atlanta game. I was at that game, so I didn't get the chance to hear you at the, on the, on the call. But what about the Steelers and, and moving forward with them? Yeah, I agree with you. I was really impressed. I mean, you look at that roster and the way the season started didn't really look like, you know, they lost at home to the Jets, as you know. I mean, it just looked like it was going to be one of those years where finally Tomlin wasn't going to have a you know, a winning record or a 500 record. So to his credit, they were able to turn it, turn it on down the stretch of the season. And, you know, I think Pickett has got a chance here now. I mean, you know, I think that the, what he showed you down the stretch is that He's a smart guy. He's very cerebral. He, you know, gets through his progressions, doesn't make a ton of mistakes, can run if he has to. Um, But I think, again, to your point, it all comes back to Tomlin just being an excellent coach. He's a guy that players want to play for, and that becomes really attractive in free agency and also in retaining your own free agents. I mean, there's, yeah, he's great to deal with from our end and a big fan of his. So I know that before every game, you talk to the staffs on both times. So you really have in, insight into these teams that other people don't have. Looking back at this year, what next year? I mean, sort of in a crystal ball, like saying, well, you know, this team might not have had a great year, but I think next year, I think they were, they're building on something. What team next year should we be looking for? We just already covered Jacksonville, so that's pretty evident that they're improving with Trevor Lawrence. But what team do you see as like, boy, I think they, they have a plan in place. I like what they're doing, and I'm looking forward to good things next year with them. Well, I'm not really going out on a limb because of the way they finished, but Detroit, I mean, the Lions, uh, you know, were one in five at one point. I mean, there was talks. What are they going to do with Dan Campbell? Jared Goff's not the answer. I mean, look, I what, the Lions did everything they could. They had just missed the playoffs. They had some big wins down the stretch. They compete. They play hard. They love playing for Dan Campbell. So I think that the Lions in that division are going to be the favorites. I, I really do. I think that Goff kind of solidified himself as the guy they can add around him in the draft and free agency. And I think that's really an ascending team in the NFC that I look forward to seeing where Dan Campbell could take him. It must have been fun to be interviewing, you know, talk to him before the game. And, and I'm sure he's the same person, you know, in private that he is in public. It seems like it's impossible to turn that energy off. Yeah, you saw in Hard Knocks just, uh, you know, how emotional and passionate he is and I, I think his players feed off that I really do I think they love playing for him and uh, you know there's a really good vibe in Detroit right now so I mean that's great I mean you had a great you have to say that this year I mean the Hamlet situation was horrendous but the fact that he's now shown recovery but this has been a, f- a fun year in terms of the teams and the competition and now we have her down to you know but what people feel all of the top four. I mean, that's the one thing about football. It seems like, you know, the best teams make it to this final, you know, the final four rather in baseball, you know, the, the Phillies were, uh, you know, below, almost a below 500 team all year and turned it on. I like the fact that we're down to the, the four best teams. Yeah. I mean, you look at the ratings for the NFL this season, you know, 44 million on Thanksgiving day. Um, I think the NFL is uh, incredibly healthy 
And I agree with you. We've got the four best teams. I mean, it's, you know, we always like those Cinderella runs or those six seeds going on a tear, but I think what we have in store this Sunday is going to be fantastic to watch, and I can't wait. And also, it seems like the pace of the games, I mean, I do like the fact that they're taking less time doing reviews. I think it's just, I mean, it's like this good mix of between the offense and the defense. I mean, they try to calibrate it so well, but it seems like they're getting it. You know, I just it just felt like it for most of the games. I, I mean, I'm someone who's, you know, watches a zillion games a weekend, so I'm into it. But I did think, look, some, there were some Thursday night Amazon games that were terrible. But besides that, most, I mean, there, how many weeks were on a Sunday? Now, you're broadcasting a game, but you must have looked down and said, oh my God, there's like seven or eight of these games that are all going down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, the parity is just phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it's different than baseball when if you have a bad team, you're going to be bad for a few years. We see teams like the Jaguars, like the Lions, just turn it around. I mean, it, you know, between free agency and the way these players are coached up and the draft, you know, every year is kind of like a clean slate. And, yeah, you're going to have your favorites. You're going to have the Chiefs and the Bills and the Eagles. But, you know, you can make a case for every single team in the league at the start of the year for the most part. You can't really say that in a lot of other leagues. So they got it going in the NFL. They always have, and then it's only getting better. And you made that good point about Detroit. I mean, the thing that the last game of the season where they were eliminated from the playoffs earlier, they came out into Lambeau Field and played a fantastic game uh, knocking off the Green Bay Packers. And I think that's what that just shows that you know they were playing for absolutely nothing in that game, and they went out, you know, 150% effort. Yeah, perfect example. I mean, you know, that they were a couple of calls away in that Seattle Rams game from, from being in the playoffs because if, you know, the Rams had won that game, it would have been a winner-take-all on Sunday night. So they came close, and uh, I think they got a lot to look forward to next year. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you have a busy time for college basketball. You have golf coming up and a lot of broadcasting, but I really like that fact that you could come and you know break down the NFL season and make some predictions here for the playoffs. I really appreciate it. You got it, Ira. Anytime. Enjoy the games this Sunday. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel, Mike Balsamo. Let's get our picks, Ira. First game up is going to be San Francisco and Philly. Right now, the line is two and a half points uh, going to San Francisco. I think, I, I said earlier, I think they should be the favorites in this game. I think San Francisco wins. I agree with you. I made a mistake in Brock Party. 48 college games, not 84. Um, the date was November 9th, 2019. Hurdy and, uh, uh, played against Jalen Hurts. Purdy lost that game against Jalen Hurts, who was at Oklahoma at the time, not Alabama, Oklahoma. I think Purdy wins this game. Another thing on that date was I was at the Alabama LSU game where Burrow and Chase beat Tua and Devontae Smith, who is Hurts' wide receiver. So you talk about a date with all these star players. But Brock Purdy, when he grew up, his favorite team was the Miami Dolphins, and he wore number 13. Marino, it took him his second year to get to the Super Bowl. I think Purdy gets to the Super Bowl in his first year. Love these, love these stats. And then Cincinnati and KC, and this one's wild, Ira. It opened up with Kansas City being three-point, uh, Bengals being three-point underdogs. The lines moved four points. Kansas City is now the underdog, getting a point in Vegas. What do you think happens here? I was there last year at the championship game, and I felt that Kansas City had that game won. It looked like it was over there. We had the Super Bowl. Uh, Patrick Mahomes played the worst half I've ever seen him play in the second half. Um, this is, when you look at, I just look at Patrick Mahomes, I think, will overcome his injury with his, you know, he hurt his other ankle and then threw for 400 yards the next week. I think Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. I think he's going to win this game at home. I think you get Kansas City plus a point at home. It doesn't really matter with the points, but I think it's going to be Kansas City rematch of the 2020 Super Bowl, San Francisco and Kansas City. I'll agree with you on this one too. I think the Bengals have been playing the best football, 
And if there, it was in Cincinnati, I'd probably go with Cincinnati, but just can't bet it. Patrick Mahomes is going back to the Super Bowl. He, after not going last year, it's like, all right, let me get my readjust here. Patrick Mahomes needs to be in the Super Bowl. And you're going to be this week going to San Francisco and Philly. We were looking at tickets, Ira, and you told me it's kind of out of control what they want for some of these tickets. Yeah, I think tomorrow they go to for the public. I, I would look for these tickets to go down in pricing. I think, and also I, th- that is, I think people, when they see with Super Bowl tickets, a lot of my friends are at call, I'm getting tons of calls. People are saying, what's about tickets? I think when they see how much the Super Bowl tickets are, they'll say, okay, I'll pass on this game because i got to save money up for the Super Bowl, hopefully. Because <laughs> this is like, I mean, I was going for a few hundred bucks to the Steelers Championship games many years ago. That's not going to happen here. But uh, the weather's going to be like really nice in Philadelphia. So that's the only reason. Otherwise, if it was warmer, I'd probably go to KC Cincinnati. So we talked about how you didn't travel this past weekend for any games, but you must be exhausted anyway because you've got to stay up late or wake up early to watch the Australian I'm Open. I'm tired of this tennis. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I hate, I, the time zones are awful. As we try to figure out like when the times were, all I'm going to say is the American men in Australian Open had played fantastic. Four of the final 16, three of the final eight, no TFO and no Fritz. I mean, this is a weird tournament. There's no Roger Federer, no Nick Kyrgios, who we saw from Australia who got injured, no Carlos Alcaraz, who was the number one player in the world who was also injured. Nadal loses to an unseated American in the second round. Uh, Jensen Brooksby upset number two, Casper Ruud, who I t- texted you. I said, wait for this huge upset. I, well, my friend won like $10,000 on this bet. I didn't realize he was going to bet that much money. And then uh, uh, it was, and Fritz lost in the second round, but it really is Sebastian Corda. We've talked about him. Uh, his father won the Australian Open. His sister was the number one golfer in the world. He beat Medvedev, and then he beat Hubert Hurkacz, so he's in the quarterfinals. Uh, and Tsitsipas beat Simmer, and Tsitsipas is in the quarterfinals. And Really, the, the most amazing thing is Ben Shelton, who's from Florida, Florida University, he was a player there, um, and Tommy Paul are going to one of the other quarterfinals, and they're both unseated. So, and also with quarter, that's three of the eight. Um, but I really like Djokovic beating Ruklov. Djokovic, this is a chance. Djokovic has been cruising through this. I think this is Djokovic's tournament to win, and he'll with tie Nadal with 20 second, 22 uh, major wins. And on the women's side, no Serena, no Venus, no Saka, uh, congratulations, is pregnant, and, and so she wasn't able to participate. The American women were absolutely terrible. Collins, Keys, uh, Coco Golf lost in the fourth round, but I've never seen so many American win. But Jessica, the Bills have have played terrible. You know, the Bills lost, but the owner's daughter, Jessica Pugula, uh, is still in the quarterfinals. She's the number three seed. She's the highest seed left. And so maybe they'll get some solace in having their daughter win the Australian Open, her first major. Uh, tremendous performance by Agula. And I got to give Goff a lot of credit because Goff, I think, looks was playing fantastic, was just upset. And then she said, look, I'm gonna, I, I played doubles with Jessica and I'm going to root for her and uh, I'm excited for her. So it'll be interesting to see if Pugula can win. And, and you know, what if Cordes pulls up, but it was great for the men's side to see so many young American men in the quarters and, and round of 16. As Ira said, he'll be in Philly uh, this week for San Francisco Philly in the NFC Championship game. Follow him on social media at Ira on Sports. We're out of time, though. Thanks so much to Andrew Catalan. He's Ira on Mike. Let's talk next Monday night, Ira on Sports.